Praise the Lord. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, um, those songs just, I mean, I just get it. I mean, I, I'm, I, that's me. I'm the one that's prone to wonder. I'm the one that's prone to leave you. I, I'm, I, that's me. Um, I'm the one that's prone to turn from you. I'm the one that's prone to jack it up. I'm the one that's prone to make it bad. I'm the one that's prone to take good and, and make it evil. I'm, that's me. That's me, Jesus. And uh, thank you that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And that you didn't come for those that were well, but you came for those that were sick and it would admit their need for you. Um, thank you for birthing in Safe Haven Church a place where people can just be honest and admit we don't measure up and we don't have it figured out. Um, and thank you that you've used this group of people to proclaim the truth of the gospel that the poor can find hope and life in you. Lord Jesus, be glorified in our time today. Um, it's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Well, today again is a Commitment Sunday at Safe Haven Church. It's 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 a moment that we have looked forward to as a church. Um, and again, it's all contained here in the book. If you don't have one, get it on your way out today. And and then many of you guys brought commitment cards. You've got those. You know what that's all about. And we're gonna have a moment where we commit together to our next step. And and just kind of to recap that today, I want to do that in two ways. Number one, <laughs> I think it would behoove us to start with a trip down memory lane. Um, where this whole thing started from, um, April of 2007, Julie Beth and I and the kids were living in Arkansas, in, in Little Rock, Arkansas, and serving at a church called the Summit Church. And many of you guys know that story and know where we came from and all of that. And the long story short is um, God started putting on our heart to be a part of church planting in, in God's country, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Roll Tide, of all places. And um, so as we began that journey, it started not with a, hey, let's go, but a, heck no, we won't go. And if we weren't in a church service, I would say it another way. Just to be honest of how we responded, we were like, heck no, we won't go. And not going to do it, and then God continued to um, birth that in our hearts and birth that in, in the people's hearts around us and, and share that with us. And so um, 2009, we moved here, and we, 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 God started a church in our living room. And as far as I know, in this room, there's only one person that is, was a charter member, Scott Parrott. <laughs> in this living room right there was our first ever service in, in 2009. We had a whopping of attendance of about six people, and it was, it was a record Sunday because it was our first Sunday. And uh, so, so that was our, our first Sunday, and, and, and Dave Taylor played music. Uh, Dave then moved on to Texas to, to, to be a worship leader at a church there. Uh, B.J. Strickland um, kept the nursery that day, and he has moved on to be the executive pastor of the summit, four locations, um, whatever. He's there. Um, and then uh, Keith Varden, who was there, also has moved on to uh, be a Desperation Church in Coleman. And so of our launch team, everybody left into ministry, and the only one that is not in ministry just yet is Scott in full-time ministry. So uh, right next down the pipe, brother. Um, and, and so anyways, that was it, man. That's how we started. And then we moved to another house on the south side of town, which is how we ended up in 
that whole area in the first place. And um, so we had our first service in the theater. It was attended by about 20 people. Um, you can see my pint-sized kids here at the bottom. Uh, that orange shirt right there is this big, tall joker right here. Um, and then you can see Macy with her head down asleep, as happens in most of our services, still to this day, um, nine years later. And then you can see little Cole before the bushy hair uh, right there. And so we had uh, pint-sized kids, and we had pint-sized church. And that's how the journey began. And then by God's grace, over the past nine years... Um, God, in his sovereignty, not us at all, has saved people who did not know Christ, has given a second hope to people who felt like, man, I'm not usable anymore, and he's restored that. And so now, after nine years, we have two churches in two different communities, each kids and adults combined at about 300 people, both 600 people in two communities spreading the gospel. It's, it's been... And I, yeah... The pause wasn't for applause. <laughs> the pause was to go. It's nothing short of a miracle that God used any of us for his own glory. And praise the Lord. And that's where our journey went, and that's where it's gone. And now Hank and the crew are proclaiming the gospel in Big Sandy, in Hillcrest, and, and Moundville, in those areas. And we get to proclaim the gospel in Northport and uh, up, the, up the road on um, uh, north side. I always forget the name of that place up there. The lake, <laughs> where the lake is and, and the surrounding areas. And, and guys, God has done amazing things. And if at the end of the day, the nine years wouldn't have resulted in two churches and 600 people proclaiming the gospel, but one person knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then it was worth it. All of it. And so now today we hit another milestone moment. Every step of the journey has been milestone moments, and today as we enter into this commitment moment together, we hit another milestone moment. And so as we do that, we are going to have a, the commitment card moment for a lot of you guys who are prepared to do that. And, and if you're not, that, that's fine. Um, you could do that later or, or just say, Troy, you know, I'm just going to take up my seat and, and not be a part of that. And that's cool, too. Well, it's not cool, but we'll get to that later. Uh, but we're going to have this commitment moment that's going to mark in history where we go next, what it even looks like next. And so a, a couple of things that I want to remind us of as the... That, that commitment card is there on the screen, is this is going to press in today as we hit the pause button and not go through the book of James. So again, I, I'm just reminding you where we're at. Um, we're hitting the pause button for today because this passage is going to press us and this next step is going to press us into the two areas of our vital signs the most as people and as families. If, if you want to know where a family's focus is, it's pretty easy. Go get their calendar and their checkbook. And you'll find out what their focus is. You can find out everything you want to know about me and Julie Beth and our Rugrats by looking on my iCal and then looking in our, in our checkbook. Everything. You'll find out, just like I do every week when I balance the checkbook, that we go to Jack's way too much. You'll find that out. Every time I balance it, I'm like, Jack's, Jack's, Jack's. We're going to die by 2019. I mean, you'll, you'll find those things out. And so as we hit this commitment moment, that's what it does. It, it presses us in those areas as to what we're focused on and what that's going to look like. And so as we do that, we need to know, and Commitment Sunday is about knowing what we're even capable of. 
What are we capable of as a church in pursuing the next step in the Northport and the surrounding areas? Um, so it's about that. And it is indeed about what it looks like for us to pursue a permanent footprint in Northport. This is what Commitment Sunday is about. What is it going to take for us to pursue that permanent, non-portable, dedicated space? What does that look like? What are we capable of? Um, It's going to push us in the area of what does it look like to have multi-purpose space? Um, What does that look like? How is our church best suited to do church that's non-portable, but also in the worship area to be be able to string up batten cages for midweek? for the community to be using for batting cages or dance girls to be dancing in tutus um, or instrumentalists learning how to play music in a, in a true multi-purpose. What, what does that look like? That's what the Commitment Sunday is all about. What are we even capable of as a church? And then I would say this, which is most important to me. What does it look like for us? What are we capable of in terms of pursuing just a place to linger if I have missed anything in the nine years that we've been a church, it's just the opportunity to linger. Last Sunday alone, we had over six new families in this room right here who had never been to Safe Haven Church. And here's what happened. They came in looking for a place to connect in communal life. We had service, and as soon as the last amen was said, what happened? The screens busted open. Chair racks flew in the room, and people started slapping chairs up. (laughs) And people who are new go, when I'm here to connect, and we go, great, we'll connect later, but right now we got to pick a chair up. We still don't have a place to linger, to build connectivity, to build true communal life, to get in each other's lives. And so Commitment Sunday is about all of those things. What does it even look like to just pursue connecting people? And so not only that, what are we capable of in terms of just generational ministry? This is huge on the list. This moment is about this. What does it look like to pursue something where our kids have a safe, dedicated environment? (laughs) This photo here is not stock footage that I pulled off of Google. I didn't go to Google and go, hey, I need some kids. Do them with their hands up. These are our kids. (laughs) This is our peeps. Um, so what does it look like? Commitment Sunday is about what does it look like to provide an environment that's safe and secure for them? Uh, not out of the box. I mean, uh, go to the next screen. Just something simple. <laughs> something that's a simple four walls with some artwork that we can go, hey, kids, this is for you. And we make no bones about it. We, a lot of people ask it. Well, it, it sounds like what you do in your church because we go through the gospel project is it sounds like you're trying to indoctrinate your kids. To which, as a church of our standing, um, who are Reformed in nature, we will gladly go, we are. (laughs) We are absolutely trying to catechize our kids, to indoctrinate them, to put the Scriptures in their minds and to flood them, their hearts and souls, with the Gospel. And so it's about that. And then finally... and. Uh, I'll probably get an amen from the second row here on the end. Um, It is about dedicated youth space. (laughs) What are we capable of in providing a place for our teenagers to gather in this community? Again, not Google Kids. 
real kids, many of them sitting right here. Um, what are we capable of? Um, it's a call on his life to give his life away for youth, and, and he would never say this, but let me say it out loud. I would argue our youth, 40-plus youth meeting in his house on, on Wednesday night, and then 40-plus college students meeting in Tyler LaFoy's house on Thursday nights is not only not sustainable, it's just not wise for his marriage. <laughs> but he gives his life away. And so as a church, this moment is about what's next. What are we even capable of as a church family? And it's going to call us to be all in together. And so with that said, that's why you've seen videos and slogans that say this. The size dream we dare tackle will impact the size the next generation dares to dream. That's just true. Many generations build off of a foundation that's already built. <laughs> Brick and mortar's already slapped up, and so they come into the next generation and go, okay, now what do we do with this? Our generation is not that generation. Part of church planting looks more like giving your life away than just getting, 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 getting. And so many of you came into Safe Haven and was like, man, that's okay, it's a church in the gym, it's a church plant, it's a whatever, what's this going on, I want to be a part. And then you got here and you realized that it felt more like your life pouring out than you being flooded into. And you go, whoa, I'm not sure that's what I signed up for. That's what church planting is. It's a generation owning it going, all right, we'll be all in for the next generation. And that's what it takes. Praise God what he's done and how he's used you, even though sometimes we did stupid things like drop eggs out of a hot air balloon. <laughs> Which, by the way, is on the books to come back in 2018. So there's your little blurb. We got it figured out a little couple of different ways. But anyway, so just know that planning committee, um, that's back on the docket in a safer, um, more secure way. Uh, but anyways, we'll get to that a little later. Also, a catapult that throws up eggs, that, that's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> not kids. B but that's what we're looking at, guys. And so I, I also want to make something very clear, and then we'll go through this passage of Scripture. That is absolutely, unequivocally what we're shooting for in this commitment moment. What are we capable of? But if we miss the other side of it, we've missed an opportunity of what I think God's doing. If at the end of the day, we don't actualize... Oh, and by the way, how many of y'all, just for fun, have, have been a part of a church where they threw up a picture, then they threw up blueprints, and they said, oh yeah, we've already signed the contract, bought the building, now we need you to pay for it. Been a part of that? Slip your hand up, okay. This is not what we're doing. <laughs> That's not a blueprint. Again, we're trying to see what we're capable of, right? So, and then number two, the flip side of it is this. Not only we're we pursuing that next step, but this is a moment of us as a church growing up in our understanding of financial stewardship and growing in that. A level of maturity in what Scripture says about giving. And so it's going to press us in those areas. It's about obeying the text. It's about doing what is dutiful to us, but also good for us. And so we're going to look at a piece of Scripture together again that is just as inspired. I said this in the first service just to remind us. Malachi 3 is just as inspired as Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. 
Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of your, anything you've done, not as a result of work, so that no man can boast. And man, I come in on Sunday mornings where we hit texts like that, and I'm like, yes! Let's talk about this. We're going to talk about grace and that we're not good enough and that Jesus is and he's got our back and I, and I know it's going to be awesome. And then we hit Malachi 3 and we go, well, let's just rip that page out of there. <laughs> I like that Ephesians 2 stuff, but now that a Malachi 3 stuff. And so we're going to look at that and just kind of see um, what I think God is also teaching us as a church. So let's look at this together. The first thing he does with a generation who is in the same steps as us is he ex- exposes a danger. He presses them in an area to say, hey, I want, to, I want to press you in this, and let's see how you respond. Malachi 3, 6 through 8 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, you are not consumed. Interesting statement. So in other words, I'm a covenant-keeping God, and because of my covenant to be your God and you be my people, I haven't destroyed you. If God said that to me, I would go, whoa. What have I done? <laughs> Back the bus up. Okay, I'm glad that you're a covenant-keeping God, but, but what have I done to tick you off? Which is exactly how they respond. Verse 7, From the days of your fathers, you've turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. So in other words, I'm a covenant-keeping God, so therefore I haven't consumed you, but you have frustrated me because you've not kept my statutes. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. So this is... One of those passages of scriptures that's one of those if-then statements. If you do this, then I will do that. And so as a good church who loves robust theology and God's sovereignty, sometimes we look at this and go, well, if he's sovereign, then how can an if-then even work? To which I will respond to you, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how it works. But this is one of those if-then moments. And so the if-and-then-then is this. If you'll return, then I'll return to you. And then they respond, but you say, whoa, 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 how shall we return? In other words, what do we do? What do we do? Will a man rob God, is his response, yet you're robbing me. And then they respond, but you say, how have we robbed you? So in other words, I'm glad you're covenant-keeping God. I'm glad we're not consumed, but what have we done and how have we robbed you? And so what God does is he exposes an area that pushes him to anger, an area that they have been immature in and that they needed to grow up. And so I think this is an area that speaks to us in the life of our church. And namely, I'll say this, yes, we're going to pursue these next steps, and I am pumped. I cannot tell you how anxious I am to hear the sound on a Thursday afternoon inside of a dedicated space, the sound of a bat going tink, 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 um, or the, the music of little people doing. I, I cannot tell you how awesome it, it excites me to think, all right, we'll have a women's gathering and not have to go rent the river market or rent the, the, the civic center. Or I cannot tell you how of those things excite me. But I'm telling you, man, more importantly than that, at the end of the day, if we don't have that and we just have a church that's obedient and worshiping the Lord through finances, that's worth it. Reality is at Safe Haven Church, and I don't know numbers, y'all know that, and I don't know names. I stay out of that completely. But 15 families carry 95% of our church budget. 
we need to grow up. <laughs> we need to grow up in this area. It's just an area we need to be pressed in. And so this is a fact, and, and I'll own it. It's partly my fault. It's partly my fault. And so, again, if you are a visitor here, um, you can go look on the records of our church. And for nine years, we've not had a sermon on tithing. This is numero uno. Nine years, we've not talked about it. And so I own that. That's my fault. And reason being is because, to be honest with you, I'm, I don't like the topic. <laughs> Just like you don't like the topic. Why? Because I'm fearful. And I, I want people to like me. And so we'll go through passages, and we'll go through Romans, and we'll go through this, and we'll go through that, and we'll avoid topics like this because that innate fear of man is, boy, I want to be known as grace junkies who spring grace. But when we come to passages like Malachi, I'm like, oh, that may ruffle some feathers, and they may not like me. Today, as a church, we're drawing a line in the sand on Commitment Sunday going, we won't ignore it anymore. We're going to grow up. Number two is this. Partly the church has just made it easy to ignore this fact and this level of obedience. How have we done that? Here's why. Because we've slapped two boxes in the back of the room, vaguely talked about them. And so people come in on Sunday morning and they go, man, the lights are up, the screen is up, the band's playing, they sound good, they this, they that. The children are ready to go, rock and roll. Therefore, it must be taken care of. And so we've made it easy. And so you say, Troy, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you saying we're about to start passing an offering plate? We haven't bought them yet. <laughs> we haven't bought them yet. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But even when I said that, if that caused you consternation, maybe it's because we've demonized tradition because tradition is not wrong, but because tradition makes us anxious. Because tradition might have been right. So maybe it's partly the church's fault. And then maybe it's just partly on us and we just own it. <laughs> if the spirit of the living God dwells in us and we read a passage like Malachi and then go, oh, he's talking to somebody else, not us, then that's on us, not anybody else. And we just need to eat it. Remember when I told you, did you wear your big boy britches this morning? <laughs> Maybe we just need to eat it. And so he exposes this danger, and then he, in his grace, gives a God-ordained remedy. He goes on to say this. How have you robbed me? In your what? Somebody, please. Like, okay, good. I'm glad you said it because I'm sweating in here, number one, because, thank you, David. Uh, I'm sweating in here because it's a hot box. Um, so praise the Lord, maybe one day for a facility where we can actually just change the thermostat. If for nothing else, we can get it in 75 degrees, whatever. Um, I, this is what he says. The Lord says, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. And he goes on to say this, and you're cursed with a curse for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Here's the remedy. So bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So in other words, his remedy is this. Start doing today what you wish you would have done yesterday. The beautiful grace of Jesus is he didn't go. Because you didn't do today what you wish you would have done yesterday, I'm going to destroy you tomorrow. 
He doesn't do that. He goes, just draw a line in the sand and pick up and get on board. And that's his remedy. Now, there's a lie that goes around our culture that says this. Oh, tithing, that's an Old Testament thing. That's not a New Testament thing. Read your Bible, number one, <laughs> and don't listen to that lie, number two. Paul can, goes on and says things like this. Jesus even addresses this with the Pharisees. But Paul says this, on the first day of the week, every one of you, each of you is to put something aside, store it up as he may prosper, so that contribution uh, need not be made when I come. So in other words, Paul says, y'all go ahead and do it, and that way when I come up to preach to you, I don't have to tell you to do it. You just be doing it. <laughs> you already be doing it. He goes on to say this, each man must do as he's made up in his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So he says, be about worshiping through your resources and notice that throughout commitment time in 2020, maybe I'm wrong, have we ever set a percentage at any time? Not one time. I grew up hearing you need to do this and you need to do that and this is, this is just what it is. And that pendulum can swing too into legalism. But that's not about that. It's, it's about what... Did you pray? Did you meet with the Lord? Did you ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to be a part? And then worship through that. Praise the Lord that he lets any of us be a part. He goes on to say this, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And then finally, But since you excel in everything, in faith, that would make a good sermon, in speech, awesome sermons coming up in James, in knowledge, did that two weeks ago, in complete earnestness, and in love. Oh, my goodness, we love that. We've kindled these things in you, but see also that you excel in this grace of giving. So don't buy the lie that that's just an Old Testament thing. It's a very New Testament thing. In other words, here's what God's saying to the nation of Israel in Malachi. Get in the game and don't be a spiritual leech. And I think a lot of times that's how we treat church. I know I do. I'll go, what is in it for me, 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 and let me suck the life out of that. But God, the moment that you press in to my greatest idol, my pocketbook, I go, I'm going to miss that Sunday. <laughs> I, I got this going on that Sunday, so I don't need, you know. And he presses us there. He says, get in. So in other words, this nation was gathered and they were existing and they were worshiping, but not to their fullest potential. They had walked into what their forefathers had built for them in the temple, and then they just got lazy and idle. Um, so he says this, he says, do it so that you can bring food in my house. In other words, there's areas of ministry that are lacking, and the reason it's lacking is because God's plan A is not operating as God's plan A. <laughs> I mean, you realize that a lot of times when we talk about tithing or, or giving, here's what we do. We go, oh, Lord, but, but this is what I've earned. This is what I've done. And then Deuteronomy smacks us right in the mouth and says, even the ability to earn is a grace given from the Lord. And so we go, well, God, I don't want to give you a part of what I've earned. And what God says is, Earned. <laughs> I'm just asking you to worship me with what I've let you borrow. And that changes everything. 
And so here's what we do as a church, man. We're, we're a part of benevolence ministries. I mean, as I, and I, it, I want to look up at the sky because I look around the room and I would never point anybody out, but there are some of y'all in here right now who come up and testify that you just hit hard times and praise God that the church was able to step in and go, hey man, let's, let, we can help love you and we can help get you through this and we can do this and all kind of stuff in a myriad of different ways. A couple of years ago, we had somebody who um, had an emergency hysterectomy, had to have it out, um, didn't have any way to pull it off and the church stepped in and said, we'll help you with the hysterectomy so that you can get this taken care of. There's all kind of ways we step in in benevolence, and that's what we do together. It's a part of it. Um, outreach. There is no magic treasure chest, or at least I haven't seen it. Andy may know where it's at. There's no magic treasure chest in the back room somewhere, which we don't even have a room. It would have to be in this gym, um, to where we go, all right, we're going to help do um, outreach at Kentuck Ballpark, or we're going to help do... Y'all know we're about to have a daddy-daughter dance right here in this room? Coming up, number two, it's going to be awesome, just like last year. Over 250 men with their daughters from the community were in this room dancing with their daughters. And we were able to put that on for the school and also be able to say, hey, men, if you don't have a place to plug in and worship, we'd love for you to come worship with us at Safe Haven right here where we proclaim the gospel. Like there's no magic treasure chest where we just walk to and then God provides manna money for daddy-daughter dances. We're a part of this together. Um, missions. We send over $20,000 to Indonesia every single year in missions. We send $10,000 to church planting through Acts 29, which helps plant churches all over the United States and now globally. Every year we send thousands of dollars to the Southern Baptist Cooperative Program, the International Mission Board, which funds over 400 full-time missionaries overseas. There is no just magic box or, or manna that God lets fall out of the sky for us to resource that. You resource it. I resource it. We resource it together. And again, that's always been God's plan A. <laughs> and then ministry. The school that we rent, side note, they don't give it to us. <laughs> we rent it. And praise God that we can rent it and help fund stuff that's going on in the schools. Uh, the gospel project that our kids are, again, unashamedly being indoctrinated with and catechized with. Um, that program, the gospel project, costs money. Um, equipment, uh, leadership, I mean, just all of those things God resources through his people. And so what he says to the nation of Israel and Malachi is, man, don't be a leech. Get gain from the church, but man, give. And then he promises a blessing. And I know y'all, man, because one thing we have done over the past nine years has avoided prosperity gospel teaching, if not pummeled it in the dirt. <laughs> so this moment right here may go down. Uh, this is going to test editing capacities. <laughs> We are not a prosperity gospel church, meaning we do not believe that if you obey God, he will make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. Let's just clear that up. However, we're not going to ignore this passage either. God says, here's your danger, here's how you remedy it, get involved, and then he promises this, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If the Lord says something one time in all of Scripture, do you think that would be important? Anybody? Like if, if he only says it once? This is the only time you'll ever find in Scripture where God says, test me in something. The only time. 
Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you, pour down a blessing for you until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soul, and your vine in the field shall not fare to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So though we're not a prosperity gospel church, we do want to note that God promises, if we're obedient in this area, to grant open the windows of heaven. That's pretty cool. I don't even know what that means, but it's pretty cool. Number two, to pour down a blessing. Troy, is that material or spiritual? I'm not going to debate with you. I don't care which one it is. Give me whichever one it is. Your need will be gone. We need to redefine what is need and what is want. And I think if we redefine what we need and want, I think we'll understand that. I think we'll get this passage. If we're honest, I'll rebuke the devourer. Give me a double portion of that. Your fruit will prosper. God will provide what you need. And you'll be evangelistic land of delight. You'll walk in the joy of the Lord. In other words, anytime you obey me, I'm going to bless you, which is the same as the Lord's table which is the same as baptism. When we have the Lord's table, you come every single Sunday. And I love this about Save Haven. I love this, that you come and worship and take communion and worship the Lord joyfully. I love it, I love it, I love it. I'd rather just do that than anything else. And you come and you're like, yes, because you want to worship through that. We baptize, we baptize somebody, and as soon as they come up out of the water, what happens? Everybody screams and claps and is like, yeah. And, and you know, I'm, like I started dancing or something. People start, maybe, maybe do the cabbage patch. I, I, people get into it, you know, whatever. And then I mention passing an offering plate and we go, oh, good gosh. What does it look like for a church to be as excited about giving back to the Lord what he lets us borrow in the same way that we're excited about coming to the table and celebrating when somebody obeys, obeys in baptism? That's what he's saying. You'll be a delight. You'll be a joy. Now listen, if you treat this passage, if we treat this passage as a lottery ticket, we have missed the point. (laughs) But if we treat this passage as an area of obedience, then God goes, okay, if they're faithful in the little things, if they're obedient in this area, They're not after my hand, they're after my heart. And so at the end of the day, man, we can offer all kinds. And we're we're headed to commitment moment. We're, We're getting there. We're wrapping it up. If we get to the end of the day and we read a passage like this and we begin to offer all kind of justifications why we cannot obey the Lord, Number one, we're showing our immaturity, but here's what it sounds like, and maybe sometimes if we'll just let it sound as what it really sounds like. Oh, God, I can't be in that, obedient in that area because, you ready? This is, when we justify, this is what it really sounds like to the Lord. God, I can't be obedient that way because I've got to pay my cable bill. I've got to pay my cell bill. I've got to pay my internet bill. I've got to pay the membership of that club bill. I've got to pay my baseball bill. <laughs> I got to pay my recreation bill, my vacation bill, my car bill, my toy bill, my clothing bill, my out to eat bill, my pets bills, and my Starbucks bills. 
it just don't measure up. Let's just own it. God says, are you going to obey or not? And that's where we stand before the Lord. Or we can draw on the line in the sand and listen to Scripture and just grow up. Grow up in our level of stewardship. Grow up and just ask, okay, God, I, I want to be at your, I want to worship you with what you let me borrow. What, what are you calling me to? And that's all we've done as a church with this commitment moment. Is we've challenged you and your family to get together and go, what are you calling us to, Lord? How can we be involved? So listen, if I could boil it up in a nutshell to this commitment time together. Guys, God's not looking for a rich church to use. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He don't need us. He's just looking for a church that will be faithful. He's not looking for a perfect church who gets it all right and who at the end of the day can go, oh, I gave 10%, I gave 15%, I gave whatever. He jacked the Pharisees up for that mentality. He's looking for a people who will be obedient in what he calls them to do personally and corporately as a church family. So yes, the moment we're about to enter into is unashamedly a next step in pursuing permanence in Northport. Unashamedly. For our kids, I'll tell them, them, if somebody walked in right now, they'd be like, why are you pursuing that? And I'll gladly go, for them kids over there in that room, right over there. Unashamedly. But it's absolutely also about our church just growing up in our level of obedience through stewardship. So if at the end of the day, all that it results in is us just being more missional so we can send more money to Indonesia, praise God. Praise God. But maybe, just maybe, God has resourced our church to pursue permanence in Northport with the people sitting right here in these chairs. Maybe, just maybe. One more story before we commit together. Band, come on up. I told you part of the story about how we launched a minute ago. But there's another part of the story that gets overlooked a lot of times when we tell the story of how Safe Haven began. Like I said, me and Julie Beth were serving on staff at the Summit Church there in Little Rock. And you saw the picture of the six people in the living room. (laughs) But the thousand people in that room often get overlooked. Who... To this day, about maybe 15 of them have even stepped foot in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And as me and Julie Beth stood before them, Bill Elliff, the senior pastor, said, Listen, we love Troy and Julie Beth and we hate to see them go, which probably was a lie. (laughs) Get them out! (laughs) They're gone! Um, But I'll never forget some of the words he said. He said, and as they go, this moment is not about them. Our church has an opportunity to help spread the gospel in Tuscaloosa. And our joy and our purpose is the gospel. And so they gather us together. The whole church kind of gathered around. So you can see the, this is the stage area, and then you can just kind of see the people flooded, whatever. And they gathered around us. And in that moment, Bill said, so what we're going to do is we're going to commit together to pray for them, but we're also going to commit together to resource them. And we're asking you as a church family to pray individually of how God wants you to be a part of that story of spreading the gospel in Tuscaloosa. 
And most of you don't know this. But in that moment, that one Sunday, they took up over $120,000 and said, go spread the gospel. The speakers that we are playing music out of today was not purchased by you, but by people in Little Rock, Arkansas, who've never even heard them. Many of the things that we still do today, websites, 501c3s, organizational stuff, yada da yada da, was from a people who said, I'll be a part of a generation that I may never even see. And in essence, what they did was said, we can't provide everything and only God can do that, but we'll provide a starting point. And they gave us a cornerstone. It's our time. Nobody's told you a number. Nobody's told you a percentage. And we won't be legalistic church. But we won't avoid scripture either. And we need to grow up in our level of giving. So... With that said, man, let's build. This brick right here will be laying on this floor in just a minute. And if you're prepared to commit, I'm going to ask you, we're going to have a time of worship through communion to place those cards in the brick. And Lord willing, one day, this brick will be the first brick we lay for a foundation for the next generation in Northport. Let's pray together. God, thank you for a church who has always cherished Scripture. Thank you for the book of James, and I can't wait to dive back into it next week. My blood pressure will probably be way lower. Um, But God, thank you for the book of Malachi. Thank you that a 3,000-year-old narrative to a people in Israel still speaks to us today. God, grow our church up. I long for the day where we worship you with our resources and God let it be I can't wait to see what you do through average people in an average community who have a miraculous gospel at their disposal use us greatly to spread your fame in Northport and beyond would you stand would you worship